0: Thanks to Noom for supporting Mueller She Wrote. Getting in shape isn't about a number on the scale. Noom helps you develop a new relationship with food, build healthier habits, and feel better about yourself. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash ag. This is Sarah Kensier from Gaslit Nation, and you're listening to Mueller She Wrote.
1: So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist.
2: No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a
0: capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and joining me today remotely is Jordan Coburn. Jordan, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Yes, doing okay. Happy Happy Easter. Yeah, Happy Bunny Day. You were a Jesus
2: person at one point in your life. I was raised Catholic. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Does it bring back any memories? Mm, no. <laughs> um, other than everything being closed, but you know, everything's already closed. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's very true, isn't it? And uh, we avoided church anyway, so it's the same. It's pretty much the same. Nice. Of course, there's no ham. There's no ham this time. Ah, blast. That's okay. Not really in a ham mood. It's too yeah. salty.
2: I um, I miss, we used to go to like these crazy mega churches in Vegas on Easter as a family. It'd be like the one time of year mm. that we'd go, you know? And I think I've mentioned this before, but it's like a full, in Las Vegas, it's like a full-blown Cirque du Soleil production on Easter. Holy shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Freaking like Jesus is like hooked up to carabiners just flying through the air. <laughs> it's like the boy
0: who wouldn't grow up <laughs> <laughs> he only made it to 33 so that checks
2: yeah <laughs> uh,
0: holy majoli that's crazy um well we have a big show today i later on i'll be talking to renato mariotti from the on topic podcast former federal prosecutor about a few things attorney general bill barr said this week that are pretty shocking uh, and uh, later on in Hot Notes, I'm going to be talking about hydroxychloroquine and how it's being pushed by, uh, by the Ukraine clown posse. And how essential consulting could be involved. It's fucking essential. And uh, Jordan, you have a story about the revolving door that is the White House press secretary position. Um, but before we jump into the news, we do have some corrections. So let's do that. It's a It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. (laughs) All right. So from Paul, uh, he says, you are all the best. This is not a correction. Psych. Uh, I just wanted to say Jordan made me laugh out loud again multiple times during Friday's episode. Thanks uh, Thursday night for subscribers. I love Jordan's sense of humor and spontaneous riffing the best of all. She always makes me laugh and it's making quarantine so much better for me. Thank you, A.G., Mandy, and Jordan for all you do. I'm happy to be a subscriber and support your efforts. Keep up the good work. I love you.
2: Oh, God. That's so nice. a nice note.
0: I know. Thanks, Paul. Yes, thank you. Thank you for
2: including that. That makes me happy.
0: Yeah. It wasn't really a correction at all. Just keep up your funniness.
2: This would be a great point for me to riff and say something funny, but here we are. (laughs) I'm just going to have to chalk it up to a lost opportunity. (laughs)
0: That's not, not how comedy works. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh from Christina, thanks all uh, thank you all for MSW and D B, my go to podcast, longtime listener and patron. You've provided laughter and sanity checks to me in New Zealand, which is appreciated. By the way, the pronunciation of our prime minister's name is Jarcinda Adern. Emphasis on the sin and the Dern. Love the chemistry between you. Keep it up. Sweet. Thank you.
2: Awesome. Yes.
0: All right, now I know. Yeah. I was wondering how to pronounce that. A-Cern. mm mm-hmm. uh, From Zachary, I love the good news segments. AG posted that Stephanie Grisham left press secretary role to possibly head to Fox News. Grisham is actually returning to serve the First Lady, this time as Melania's chief of staff. Why is this significant? Grisham gets a paycheck. Grisham is less likely to end up cooperating with any investigations if she's currently employed by the White House and has access to White House lawyers. By the way... Fagluzi's interview was on point. Thank you. Yes, it was. He's a man. He's a man. (laughs) He's (laughs) a man. He's the man. What the fuck? (laughs) Of course it was on point. He's a man. My lady brain just uh, doesn't keep up.
2: Yeah, that goes from uh, Uh,
0: praise to outing someone real quick, how you phrased it. (laughs) I know. Oops. Uh, Correction for next week, I guess. (laughs) From uh, from Stephen. You are all lights in the darkness. More context than correction. The 1918 flu was not the worst pandemic of all time. Numbers are shaky, but the Black Death of the 1300s killed more people. Yes, it did. Uh, Estimates for the Black Plague's first wave uh, are usually 100 plus million versus 30 to 60 million for the 1918 flu. Then there was smallpox and other pandemics that ravaged Native Americans in the 1500s. We also know Mexico, Central America dropped from 25 million to only a few million over the century. Uh, Any particular outbreak was less uh, was likely less deadly than um, the 1918 flu, but way more deadly in total. Also, I want, or I was so glad Jordan got moved to the good news block. Occasionally, she was sounding very sad during the COVID <laughs> updates all the time. It's good managing your people, AG, from a fellow manager of wonderful people. Oh my god! <laughs> I swear you could put me back in, Coach.
2: <laughs>
0: Thanks. You're you're benched for sad news for a while. Uh From Mark. So glad you're continuing to put the podcast out. It is one of the best. More of a clarification when chatting with Andrew Torres about the PPP program. A comment was made about not being able to go to any bank to apply for the loans. I work for a small community bank and we've received hundreds of applications over the course of the last few days. Uh, Because it is a streamlined process with limited documentation, by being required to go to the bank where you have your relationship, it helps prevent fraudulent activity. We know their history, thus can confirm the application data. Keep up the great and much-needed work. I'll keep supporting you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for that. Nice. Uh, From Donna, I'm so grateful that you and your crew are immersing yourselves into the daily news uh, consistently to bring it to us and help us make sense of it. In the April 2nd episode, you indicated that face masks were only for protecting others. Dr. Price of the uh, Weill Cornell Medical Center in New York City tells us that the most infectious of the coronavirus, um, uh, most infections of the coronavirus are transmissions from hand to face. If you wear a mask, any mask, it will keep you from touching your face while you're in public. So it's good for protecting yourself as well. That's a good idea. Yeah, uh, it's a good good point, too. She says, please take time out for yourselves. Skip a day or two if you need to. We'll survive. Thank you. (laughs) thank you uh, Donna I don't know if I'll survive if I skip a day though I I, <laughs> I I have to get on I have to get on the mic and talk about this stuff or I'll go bananas so anyway uh, those are corrections so yay and and if you have any head to moishirocom click contact select corrections and build us a compliment sandwich we'll get it right eventually and now uh, let's hit the headlines with just the facts <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, The Alaska primary happened, in case you missed it, all by mail uh, and with 100 percent of districts reporting. Biden has won Alaska 55 to 45 over Senator Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders suspended his campaign this week, but will remain on the state ballots, the remaining state ballots, to collect delegates as leverage over the party platform during the convention. And as we know, Wisconsin voted this week in person, despite Governor Evers' efforts to postpone the election. He sued to stop in-person voting amid the coronavirus outbreak, but the conservative Wisconsin State Supreme Court blocked his executive order to postpone the election. And the Supreme Court of the United States voted remotely to say that they weren't allowed to vote remotely. Um, They voted five to four. Uh, Not only to force in-person voting, but to not allow an extension for absentee ballots, disenfranchising possibly tens of thousands of Wisconsinites. Um, uh, We are expecting to get the results from the Wisconsin primary Monday, tomorrow. And of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg blasted the conservative justices in her dissent, saying either these people in Wisconsin will have to brave the polls or lose their right to vote. She was pretty mad in her Mm -hmm. dissent. And the Navy had a spat this week. Acting Secretary of the Navy Thomas Modley, who replaced Spencer, who resigned after Trump intervened in the the peer review of, you know, war criminal Eddie Gallagher. Uh, And and Modley ended up apologizing and resigning this week after he flew to Guam to shit talk the captain of the Roosevelt to his crew after he fired him for being alarmist, quote unquote, about the coronavirus on his ship. Uh, but there are now 550 positive cases of coronavirus amid the crew of the Roosevelt, including ca- Captain Crozier himself. And uh, mili- I think just military leadership has gone to absolute shit under this administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and now four four carriers are, are reporting cases of coronavirus, That's in- including the entire Pacific fleet of air- aircraft carriers. And Richard Delmer, Dick Delmer, Deputy Inspector General of the Department of Treasury, has concluded in a letter uh, to Congress that Steve acted properly when he refused to give Trump's tax returns to Congress. Lawyers for the Legal Counsel's Office wrote in June of 2019 that House Democrats' demands for Trump's returns should be denied because they lack legitimate legislative purpose. So the deputy IG of the Treasury wrote to Congress this week saying Steve Mnuchin was right because he followed that legal opinion, which is a bullshit legal opinion. It's incorrect. It was written by an asshole. Uh, A spokeswoman for Richard Neal, the the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, responded saying Chairman Neal maintains the law is on his side and he believes his request should be granted. Uh, Republicans, including Chuck Grassley, say that this one page letter and the council's opinion from last June should put this to rest even though the law clearly states no legislative purpose is needed to obtain the tax returns. Uh, and even that, even then, Richie Neal gave a legislative purpose anyhow, saying they needed to review the presidential tax audit program. Um, so a lawyer installed by Trump wrote, wrote a legal opinion saying up is down and black is white, and the deputy inspector general cited that legal opinion uh, in a one-page letter that uh, Mnuchin followed, the bullshit legal opinion and so he's fine that's how they're breaking the law so (laughs) nice right very nice and um we've got a couple more big stories this week uh that have come out so let's hit the hot notes hot notes all right jordan what do you have for us today for your hot note
2: yeah so uh my hot note is as was mentioned in the corrections before Looking into Stephanie Grisham, who has been ousted most recently. Like you said, it's a total revolving door, that job. White House press secretary. News came out earlier this week. She had the job for eight months. Didn't hold a single regular press briefing. Trump campaign spokesperson Kaylee McEnany. Is that how you say her name? McEn- McEnany? Mac- McEnany? 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 <laughs> McEnany? <laughs> I don't know. It's MC- I'm not looking at it. I don't know. It's M-C-E-N-A-N-Y. McIneney, McIneney, yeah, McIneney. Eh, well, she's replacing her. Uh, and then Pentagon spokeswoman Alyssa Farah, Farah, <laughs> Farah, <laughs> will take over Grisham's. <laughs> sorry, I'm just fucking up names. Uh, she's gonna take over Grisham's other West Wing title as director of strategic communications. This is all according to a senior admin official. And then Ben Williamson, he was a um senior aide to new white house chief of staff mark meadows and he will be taking over as the senior communications advisor so melania trump said tuesday grisham's gonna be joining her staff as was mentioned in corrections uh as full-time chief of staff and spokesperson and melania called her a mainstay and true leader in the administration you know melania's just got an eye for that the true (laughs) leaders. (laughs) Um, A senior official also said that the the whole overhaul that's happening right now with their press office is apparently because they're trying to expand the press office, which has become increasingly small, especially in comparison to recent presidencies. And they're saying that they want to do the overhaul so that their press office can better deal with communications needs during the coronavirus pandemic and resulting economic troubles. So, I don't know. I mean... Wow. Yeah. It's (laughs) only... This is my favorite part, I think, of of all of this, is uh, Grisham, apparently she was, like, losing allies on the inside, I guess, like, one by one. And, you know, insiders say that they saw it coming, that she was going to be ousted. But she talked to Axios not too long ago, and she was completely, like unaware of these plans apparently and she said sounds like more palace intrigue to me but i've also been in quarantine because she was in quarantine after hanging out at mar-a-lago uh she says she says if true how ironic that the press secretary would hear about being replaced in the press
0: (laughs) that's awesome
2: it's so fucking funny it's so funny it it gets like it's perfect um her replacement McEnany, is so what we've landed on mackenanny yep. she she's a um i hate calling women idiots just on principle but she's kind of an idiot on february 25th <laughs> she went on f- uh, she had an interview on fox with trish reagan and she said that trump would keep the coronavirus from american shores this is a direct quote. She said, We will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here. And isn't it refreshing when contrasting it with the awful presidency of President Obama?
0: So that's what we're dealing with. Trish Reagan got fired for that interview. So, <laughs> you know, this this woman, McEnany, is... Yeah. Uh, not as not fox enough for fox, because uh, yeah. Trish was ousted for that. Mm-hmm. One and, person's um,
2: pink slip is another's interview, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, and I did the math. She was hired on July first of last year, so she was there for almost twenty five Scaramuchis. <laughs> that's I, um, that's pretty good.
2: I hope that unit of time continues to be used even once this is all over. <laughs> it's such,
0: I know it's, sh- I know, it's such too.
2: a fun name, Scaramucci.
0: Did you see Trump's tweet today? He said, uh, uh, "All I have now signed uh, disaster declarations in all 50 states. We are winning and we will win. Uh, you know, go USA. He was actually, he, he thinks a disaster declaration for the first time in U.S. history in all is 50 a, states is winning. Is a win. so that's, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And Brendan Woodruff, who we've had on the show before and there, you know, he's part of Bad Libs podcast. He's like, well, that is a lot of states
2: yes that is true he did get all of them if we're just talking numbers (laughs) games
0: (laughs) yeah he's uh, batting a thousand for disasters (laughs) sweet hashtag winning
2: yeah Uh, incredibly painful when you think that it didn't it didn't have to get this way but here we are and i guess we're celebrating (laughs) yay we're number one (laughs) he posted that today you said yeah this wow morning. what a good christian mm-hmm. just taking the spotlight yeah. from jesus oh is,
0: is, is, does jesus have something today something going on with <laughs> with jesus today yeah somebody somebody showed him coming out of his tomb and it says if he sees a shadow it's six more weeks of quarantine
2: oh god
0: <laughs> that's totally blasphemous
2: yes that's okay i think by this point people know we're not devout but like lightning didn't strike me yeah yeah that's true yeah <laughs> who knows everything's <laughs> well, up in the air at this point okay
0: um i may have been smited i may have been smote is that the past tense Ooh, yeah, i but, don't it should you know, be i just I don't smote know
2: and a twat past tense of a tweet
0: <laughs> i had twat oh, you were, <laughs> i was smote yeah I, I twatted a smote i twatted and then i was smote <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times yes uh i have a throwback for today's hot note Ooh. So um, we talked about this during the week during the Daily Beans, but remember Essential Consulting, Michael Cohen's slush fund that peddled access and, and curried favor with Trump by selling consultancy for like major dollars? Yes. Sadly, I'll um, never forget. We. Yeah. Somebody made us a little logo. We we, we said that the the slogan was, you know, Essential Consulting is fucking essential. Mm-hmm. uh, And that, you know, I, I don't think we ever made shirts, but it was a thing. And. You know, Russians put about a half a million in there, um, uh, you know, in Trader and, and Vexelberg, those guys. Uh, at and paid Cohen because they had an upcoming merger they didn't want any antitrust issues with. So that was a way to just sort of grease, grease Trump was to put a bunch of money into, into essential, essential consulting. There was a South Korean aerospace company that tried to buy Trump's favor by donating to Michael Cohen's little thing. And, of course, a pharmaceutical company called Novartis. And it just so happens Novartis is one of several drug companies that manufacture uh, hydroxychloroquine, which is an anti-malarial drug that Trump and others, including Giuliani and John Solomon of the Ukraine clown posse, are pushing really hard despite a total lack of testing uh, on patients with COVID-19. But Marcy Wheeler has an interesting theory. Uh, She says she had to think long and hard about how this group could profit off of an old cheap drug right? Because this is a, a generic now. It's it's cheap. They were donating a bunch of it. Uh, but here's the deal. So she posits that this scam isn't about making money, but instead it's about serving Trump's need to stay in office so he can live beyond the statute of limitations for his multiple federal crimes. Hmm. She says, you know, studies are showing that uh, hydroxychloroquine is like a 50-50 crapshoot um, that critically ill patients receiving the drug drug will recover. Uh, so Trump picks a drug with ambiguous success and few side effects. And he ends up with just enough people recovering who may have recovered anyhow and not because of the drug. And as Marcy said, the other half are dead or disabled, so they can't speak out. And the survivors are paraded as products of Trump's genius. And bam, he wins a second term. Um, And that could be. Uh, a reason why Trump Jr., Solomon, Giuliani, and Charlie Kirk are all pushing this drug. Of course, now there are major heart complications. A one study in France uh, shows those who had COVID and took the drug, 43 of them had heart problems. But uh, Trump did meet with CEOs of Novartis, Bayer, and and Milan at at Davos when he was there, and whatever the real reason is, uh, it was most certainly discussed in those meetings. So. But that's an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. It's like a just a way to get him reelected.
2: Yeah, she does such good pieces consistently.
0: Yeah, I I I absolutely if you if you don't follow Marcy Wheeler and her blog, uh Empty Wheel, you you definitely need to do that. She's got just some really great theories and uh, and, uh, we, th- I, I feel like we tend to think along the same lines too. So you yeah. should check her out.
2: At first I was going to say, it's amazing to me that he even finds the time to concoct these sort of plans that will somehow try, you know, benefit him in the future amidst all of this chaos. But then it's like, oh no, this is the exact perfect time for him to do that. That, that's why mm-hmm. he's doing that right now. This is like, this is in a sense if he can pull this off in ways that he benefits from and all of his friends benefit from, it's like almost best case scenario for him outside of the fact that the entire economy is tanking. That's, <laughs> that's just, yeah, a best case, case scenario for
0: him would have been him listening to the professionals ahead of time and putting in mitigation strategies like social distancing earlier than he did. Yeah. But,
2: if he even cared about getting reelected though, you know, because now it's like in the context of us knowing that he didn't even really want to be president in the first place Now I wouldn't be surprised if he's just shifting his mindset to how he can come out of this personally on top, and that's about it, and kind of, like, fuck everybody else.
0: Yeah, whether he wants to be president for the next four years or not, he has to be, or he's imminently prosecutable.
2: Yeah. Is there any sort of, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. He should just, he should just run. He should just take his money and run. I wouldn't care. (laughs) just go just
0: disappear just desert yeah (laughs) i would have zero problems with that (laughs) find some find a bone spur doctor a storefront (laughs) to say that you have bone spurs and you can't be president anymore and then go live in russia yeah
2: he's like oh so your daily activities involve sitting on your ass watching videos of cute cats well (laughs) i'm no longer able to fulfill my duties (laughs) regardless
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will resign effective immediately. Oh, cool. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll be right back with former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti on the other side of this break. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Noom. Finding the best way to achieve your health goals is hard, especially if you want to make lifestyle changes that last. Thankfully, Noom gives you the expert coaching and community support you need to make sustainable progress on your goals. Whether you're trying to lose weight or get fit for good, Noom is there to help you get there. Personally, uh, when I joined about a year and a half ago, I wanted to focus on getting more energy and feeling more confident. Uh, And I love that Noom adjusts to my lifestyle, and it helped me understand the psychology Uh, of better decision-making through features like tracking your steps and recommending healthy recipes and logging your food. You can log uh, blood glucose levels and your workouts and your meal plans and more with Noom's uh, intuitive color grading system, which is really awesome. Uh, Noom seamlessly integrates it into your life and, and it makes it easy to keep track of what you eat and learn about your eating patterns to help you make better choices. With Noom, they stress moderation over restrictions. No food is good, bad, or off limits. And if you get off track, there's no guilt or shaming, just tips to help you get back on track tomorrow. And we all are strapped for time, but Noom is easy. It only takes about 10 minutes a day. So join the Noom community, where you'll be paired up with a virtual health coach and can chat with your goal specialist and Noom community to get and give help to people with similar similar goals. You can read up on community Noom blog to empower yourself to make your health goals even more attainable. So check out some of Noom's testimonials. Uh, this one's from Amanda, who says, quote, It made me confident that I can not only maintain this weight, and this new, more satisfying relationship with food, but I can set and achieve other goals as well. So declassify the secrets to a sustainable lifestyle change at Noom.com AG. You can even get started with a free trial when you sign up today at Noom.com AG. That's Noom, o dot slash AG to sign up for a free trial. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today is former federal prosecutor and host of an amazing podcast called the On Topic Podcast. It's Renato Mariotti. Renato, thanks for being with us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on.
0: Yeah, I hope you're holding up okay over there. I hope you had a a great a great or you're having a great holiday weekend.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, I've been uh, celebrating Easter with my mom uh, uh, over Facetime, and then we've had a couple of Saders that I've been a part of. It's it's definitely different when things are over Zoom, but uh, I think that's something we're all going through right now.
0: Yep, just adapting. Indeed. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to speak with you today uh, has n- not a lot to do with Easter but uh, or, or Passover. But um, I wanted to speak with you today because of a recent recent statements made by Attorney General Bill Barr. In one statement, he endorsed um, and defended the firing of Inspector General Atkinson. That's the intelligence community inspector general who turned over the Ukraine whistleblower complaint. And he also made statements about the Russia investigation in this statement and on fox news. and and it's it's kind of stunning what he's what he's been saying. So first, let's talk about Barr's incorrect account of what happened with Atkinson. Barr says, Atkinson misinterpreted the whistleblower law and failed to follow his instructions not to tell Congress without executive branch review. But that's not really true, is it?
1: No, it isn't. So uh, first of all, Atkinson, and it's worth noting, he was a Trump appointee, somebody who was a career public servant, uh, not a partisan person at all. Um, and and just to be clear, he not only turned over this material to Congress, but of course, he I think played an important role in trying to uh, publicly state that we needed to protect the identity of the whistleblower, something that uh, Trump was trying to undermine. but in this issue the the issue is that if this was an appropriate whistleblower complaint, it had to be disclosed uh, to Congress and but uh, the the interpreter of whether or not this you know the interpreter of the law as to this issue is, uh, an, a small part of the Justice Department called the Office of Legal Counsel. And the Office of Legal Counsel are essentially like the lawyers' lawyers within uh, the Justice Department. Many of us know them, or many of you guys know them, because they issued that opinion saying that a uh, sitting president can't be indicted. They all opine about all sorts of legal issues. And here, um, a former law school classmate of mine actually uh, opined, uh, who is the head of OLC, that essentially this wasn't a proper whistleblower complaint to send to Congress. So that's essentially what Barr is referring to, is the fact that w- what ultimately happened was that he he's required to follow that that law and that interpretation of the law, but he let Congress know why he was holding it up, and that is essentially was due to this OLC opinion.
0: Mm. Yeah, they've come out with a few. I think last June the OLC came out with an opinion saying that Richie Neal of the House Ways and Means Committee uh, couldn't didn't have a, a legitimate legislative purpose for requesting the tax returns of, of Donald Trump, uh, which isn't the law. Uh, and also, I mean, he they did have a legitimate legislative purpose. Richie Neal said he needed to do a review of the audit program, the presidential tax audit program, uh, and that was getting Trump's tax returns was part of that. So there's been a lot of interesting... Opinions coming out of the OLC since Barr took over.
1: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, really, that's Steve Engel's work. I mean, Steve's the head of OLC, and you know he's been carrying the administration's water. And there have been a number of opinions that have been uh, issued that have been, I'd say, uh, with sort of dubious support. And I think this was one of them. Essentially, trying to argue uh, that uh, this was not a whistleblower, uh, a whistleblower complaint for the purposes of the statute. I thought was an aggressive view, uh, to put it mildly. And, you know, Steve has increasingly been taking positions that are helpful to the administration as, uh, you know, that's, that's what he's been doing. Uh, and Barr, of course, is becoming a public spokesperson for that. You don't, you don't see OLC uh, lawyers like Mr. Engel on TV, but you, we're obviously seeing that from uh, Barr.
0: Yeah. And I think Steve Engel also determined that the whistleblower law in this case didn't apply because it wasn't a matter of intelligence. So the intelligence community inspector general didn't have the authority to send it to Congress without uh, executive review, Uh, you know, without handing it over to the people who were committing, (laughs) who were being having the whistleblown on them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it was quite a interpretation. And, uh, you know, it was. It put Atkinson in a difficult position, and he tried to take a principled take. I mean, I will note that he did not uh, he take issue with uh, Engel's determination. He in fact said that he we was bound to follow it. He essentially told Congress, "Like i I think I think that I need to hold this over, but I'm bound by this other view, so I can't turn it over right now." That is essentially what happened there, and you know it was ultimately you know the sort of pressure of public opinion and political pressure and other things that ultimately resulted in that getting sent to Congress. But, you know, Atkinson is somebody who, and I think we saw him testify before the House Intel Committee, you know, he was somebody who I think came off as, you know, more or less a straight shooter who was trying to protect the whistleblower. He was appointed by Trump, uh, you know, so certainly, certainly not a partisan um, and you know he is what what what's going on here the the firing and and these statements by Barr are essentially a message that if you don't play ball and if you don't follow uh, the Trump agenda that there are going to be consequences. And really, what Barr is doing is once again showing that he will mislead uh, in order to uh, you know in order to convince the public that what Trump is doing is the right thing. And I will say. You know, often Barr carefully chooses his words so that he's misleading the public but not technically lying. And in this case, I think he actually was making false statements. And, and I think he's smart enough because he's a, clearly a, a very intelligent man. He knows better. He knows that he's lying to people.
0: Yeah. And he made another false statement, uh, piggybacking on this statement about Atkinson, saying that the FBI opened the Russia investigation without any basis, which isn't the case either. Uh, D- DOJ Inspector General Horowitz did not find that to be the case. Uh, and but he he made this statement anyhow. And then and then f- taking it a step further, he appeared on Fox News over the weekend saying, quote, my own view is that the evidence shows that we're not dealing with just the mistakes or sloppiness when referring to the Russia investigation. He said there was something far more troubling here. We're going to get to the bottom of it. And if people broke the law, and we can establish that with the evidence, they will be prosecuted. Now, can you tell us why? I mean, a lot of people aren't really reacting, I think, as fervently against this statement as as they should be. Why is this a stunning statement for an attorney general to make?
1: Yeah, you know, the, the key thing that you said there is for an attorney general to make. In other words, you know I have no problem with somebody at the local bar giving his opinion, personal opinion about the russia investigation. Uh, I can talk to lots of people and not, you know who have opinions about it there 's nothing wrong with that, but the Attorney general of the United States right now, first place, the chief law enforcement officer in the United States, and he is overseeing an investigation into the origins of the Russia, russia investigation and the conduct of investigators within the russia investigation and whenever you are overseeing uh, an investigation or participating in an investigation, it's very important for you not to be making public statements about your views for a whole variety of reasons. Um, one of which is that the, in an ongoing investigation, the evidence is going to continue to evolve, and you're going to gain new evidence, and your views are going to change. Another important reason, and perhaps <laughs> i certainly more important, is that you know, in this country we have the presumption of innocence. until they're proven guilty. And we don't in this country, we don't uh, prejudice the jury pool. Uh, we don't prejudice the public against individuals until or unless there there is sufficient evidence to publicly accuse them. Uh, and and ultimately, you know the government is going to have to back that up with proof beyond a reasonable doubt. That's how this country works. and when so when the attorney general of the United States, Goes on a national bra- uh, national uh, cable news network and says, "Well, my opinion is that there's no basis here. My opinion is that this is very troubling." What he's suggesting is that his bias or his own personal views play a role in that investigation. And I, you know, if there are any criminal uh, cases that emerge from this, they will; those defendants will undoubtedly use that uh, you know, those statements to argue that the jury pool has been tainted, that they need some relief from that. And I will also say, here's a prediction, uh, because I, uh, I think that Barr is a very clever tactical guy who seems to be very artful at what he's doing. I predict that there's not going to be very numerous criminal charges coming out of the Durham investigation. What I suspect is that if there were very serious criminal charges, Barr would be mum and let them speak for themselves, and then comment after the fact. Mm. But he's we, he, but he know, and he would know that commenting in this way and at this time would prejudice that. But I suspect that this is him getting out of out in front and and giving his own opinions to signal what the view should be uh, when there's going to be very little in terms of actual criminal charges coming out of this
0: yeah that's really an interesting uh thought point there because we know that the the whole reason Mueller didn't do what everyone wanted him to do and call Trump a criminal was because he didn't want to taint future prosecutions of trump uh because you know he constitutionally Trump can't be indicted so he doesn't have a way to defend himself in a court of law at least as long as he's president so yeah i would I would assume that Barr making these kinds of statements if any criminal uh, Uh, the charges come out of this investigation by Durham, like you said, if 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 they are even any if there are even any there, then they they would have a very good chance to dismiss this case, maybe even on appeal because of those public statements.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, what would happen if there was such a, a, a prosecution of, you know, whomever, whether it's Comey or McCabe or whoever, The you know, bar in his mind would want uh, or would like to have charged if they were charged. I think one of the early motions would be I've been completely prejudiced, not just by the president of the United States and the attorney general up till now, but by the attorney general statements throughout this investigation calling into question whether the investigation was conducted in a fair way. And I imagine not only would they be making motions to um have some you know relief in terms of jury selection and jury pool but then I think a trial all of these statements would be part of the trial I mean I if I was defending that case if I was representing one of these individuals that would be a centerpiece of the trial that it was already it's just a witch hunt it's already been predetermined and so on I will say that you know for people who are listening, the buy-the-book way to do this is the way Robert Mueller did. For years, we were trying to figure out what that guy was doing, and he was completely silent. There was one time he he issued like a very short statement that a particular report was not accurate about Cohen, I think. And he that was like a big deal because he said one thing, and it was mm-hmm. merely commenting on the accuracy of a press account but he said basically nothing the whole way through and as you pointed out AG he took a very cautious approach in terms of making any conclusions at the end of the investigation for a, for someone ordinarily if a if a prosecutor if I had when I was investigating people if I had made public statements about the people I was investigating in an investigation that was not yet completed I I think I'd be taken off the case and I would have disciplinary action taken against me so for the attorney general To be acting like this and doing this, it's very disturbing.
0: Yeah, you're right. I think it's just for show. And I mean, you know, many people like Joyce Vance included have said that he shouldn't even have oversight over the investigation into the Russia investigation because of his conflicts of interest, um, multiple conflicts of interest, including, you know, Kirk Linellis, et cetera, who represented Alpha Bank, blah, blah, blah uh a whose guy whose son-in-law, Sam Patton, was indicted in the case, et cetera. I mean, there's just a, a multitude, not just one example, there's a multitude. Um, and I know she wrote a couple of opinion pieces, Joyce Vance did uh, for Time Magazine, about why he shouldn't even pr- be allowed ethically uh, to provide oversight in this case.
1: Yeah, I will say I, I don't take as strong, as, as strong or aggressive a view as that uh, towards us. I, I think you, I don't think this is a mandatory recusal by Barr. I think, but I think he should. In other words, my view of it is: I, I don't think any of these things. If if Barr was a different person and had made different public statements or none, you know, if he was the Barr that some people, I always was skept, I was against his uh, um, his um, uh, confirmation from the beginning. But if p- people who supported him, if he was a, a, a fair minded type person. I don't think these things would necessarily be disqualifying, but given his public statements and the distrust that many rightfully, including a federal judge, um, have, uh, have had of his own statements. uh, I, I, he, you know, he's somebody who you could, there could be a perception of bias and a perception of, of unfairness in that process. So you wouldn't want, you know, he's somebody who should recuse, not absolutely mandatory, but he should be recusing. And then to me, these statements, would would uh, make it so that you know that would be almost certain you know in other words if this was anyone else they would all they would certainly be taken off the case at this point making public statements in the middle of an investigation offering their personal opinions and anticipated conclusions you know federal prosecutors don't just give conclusions and opinions you either indict somebody or you don't and that's usually how that goes so you know i it's it's a very very surprising very disturbing
0: yeah, but it's a very politicized and, and weaponized agency at the moment. So we we just we just got to vote. That's pretty much the the solution here, I think, uh, in November. Indeed. And and hopefully the the post office won't get shut down, and we can somehow vote by mail. If the if we you know if Trump reopens the country too early, and we get some second wave of the coronavirus, we we're going to need to vote by mail. So indeed. All right. Well, thank you so much. Tell, uh, tell our listeners where they can find your podcast.
1: Absolutely. So just search for On Topic with Renato Mariotti uh, on anywhere where your to- where your podcasts are um, are uh, are uh, available, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. And if you want to look at past episodes, look at all of our guests. Ontopicpodcast.com has all of our episodes, including our latest one with Andy Slavitt.
0: Oh, Andy Slavitt, wonderful! I'm going to have to listen to that too. I, I absolutely love your podcast, and he's he's a great guest. Good get, so all right, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, happy Easter, happy Passover, happy happy holidays.
1: Thanks, AG. Have a good one.
0: All right, thanks again to Renato for joining us uh, to discuss that stuff about good old Attorney General Bill Barr. Um, he's going to be a lot of trouble, I think, after this is all said and done. And hopefully, we'll you know when we vote in November we'll have a new attorney general and um, we can start looking into all of the things that were mismanaged, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely.
2: Brighter days.
0: Yeah. uh, That's the light at the end of the tunnel. That's for me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that. Um, Well, that's our show. And thank you again to everyone who came to our uh, happy hour Q&A Friday. That was so much fun. I really appreciated that. It was great to have contact with, uh, with our patrons. You can head to patreon.com slash Muller She if you want to become part of that. We do it every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we need to come up with a theme this week. Uh, I'll think about it. We have a good, we have a lot of good suggestions from, uh, from listeners and patrons. So send us your ideas for a theme. The first one was the, well, the first one had no theme. The second one was the pajama jammy jam. And last <laughs> one was we, we all got dressed up. Which was fun.
2: Yeah, it makes me feel. It's so nice to just have something to look forward to, just like, yeah, yeah, a daily, uh, yeah, daily, daily, daily goals. I think it was uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. She was in um, wait, is it Julia or Julia? It's Julia,
0: right? Julia Louis. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. she
2: did like a Comedians in Cars episode with Seinfeld, and I uh-huh. think it was in that episode where she was saying like someone told her this advice and it's like the best advice she has ever had, but just always have something to look forward to. If you just, whatever it is, just have like something that's on your calendar. That's ahead, that, that you're like, you oh. know, working towards or, or not even working towards, just planting some sort of positive thing that you're looking forward to. And that's like essential for mental health. And I had never thought about that. And it's so true. It's like, why not recreate that cool feeling when you have really fun plans that you're really excited about? Just consistently do that. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I look forward to our Fridays as well. So. Yes. That's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to give away too much. You have to just have to go. <laughs> so I'm glad to everyone. Thanks to everyone who, who joined us. If another few hundred people on there this week. Um, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's, do you have any final thoughts?
2: No, I don't think so. Watch SNL. They just did a at-home episode and it was very fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was my final thought, too. That, oh. that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. What what they did for SNL. Um, it was really, really great. So check it out. for, for It's so funny. <laughs> Kate McKinnon is a genius.
2: <laughs> Her RPG.
0: The black <laughs> 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 The
2: What did she say about yeah. bats or something about, like, something, so she makes, like, a Giuliani joke about, like, yeah. <laughs> I forget when she says it's... It's so fucking good. It's so funny. The
0: Weekend Update is really good, too. Yes, it was. It was really good. Um, Definitely check it out. It's worth your time. And you got time, right? We all have time right now. So mm-hmm. let's check it out. All right. Well, that's it. Everyone, please take care of yourself and take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn, with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production, and social media direction is by Amanda Reader. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reader, and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. MSW Media.